Welcome to Newer Church with Corey Turner. We pray you encounter God and become more like Jesus through this message. To find out more, visit us at numa.church. Uh, I want you to go with me tonight to Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. And uh, I'm going to be reading from uh, the new King Jimmy tonight. I brought out the big guns um, simply because I felt like it, it articulated what is on God's heart today a little bit more clear and where I wanted to go with this. Zechariah 10.1, I know Pastor Raph will be happy. Zechariah 10.1. I heard this morning's services were awesome. Dr. Alan Meyer here. Um, Hey, if you don't know, we have a YouTube channel. Can I encourage you to actually watch the messages back during the week? Listen to the podcast. Um, These platforms and mediums are not there to increase the preacher's profile. Those mediums and platforms are there to actually help us to stay connected and engaged to the Word of the Lord and what God is saying and doing. And my prayer is that you would be meeting with God every single day. There's one bit of advice to you. It's establish a daily appointment with God and keep it for the rest of your life. And you'll discover what it means to be a follower of Jesus if you do that. Uh, But as well as that, there is so much teaching resource out there that we really need to make sure that we're staying in front of and that we're receiving of. And and I would encourage you to access those things. Zechariah 10 verse 1. And it says this, Ask the Lord for rain. In the time of the latter rain, literally means in the season of rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds and he will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. And I felt the Holy Spirit just simply put upon my heart tonight to preach on, you can have more if you want it. You can, that's good news tonight. You can have more if you want it. You know, some of us would have heard of an amazing revivalist back in the day by the name of Charles Finney. And Charles Finney is considered by many in sort of modern times over the last sort of 200 years to be one of, if not the greatest revivalists because of the impact of his own life. You know, pre-conversion, he was hanging around church a bit and different people would try to pray for him. And he refused their prayers because he looked at the fruit of their prayers and they never got an answer. And so he concluded, well, if you pray for me, nothing's gonna change, so please don't pray for me. This is a true story. And so he would stop people from praying for him because he just didn't believe that they believed that their prayers were actually gonna be effective. When he got saved and and when he got baptised in the Holy Spirit, he records his encounter as if it was like liquid waves of lava going through his body, that literally for hours he found himself just totally arrested by the presence of God. Such was the encounter that Charles Finney had with God that he would even be found to be on trains going through regional towns of the United States, the UK, and 
as his train would go through a particular town, conviction and repentance would break out across the town. The story is told that he went and visited a factory and as he walked into the factory, he looked at one of the factory workers and she literally fell to her knees on the ground and started to repent of her sin. Such was the impact of just looking at Charles Finney's eyes. Such was the blazing fire of God inside of him. And what began with her started one by one by one to the point that the owner of the factory had to shut the factory down and they had a revival meeting on the factory floor that day. And Charles Finney had an evangelistic crusade and for three, four hours led the entire factory to the Lord. Little do people know that the secret source to Charles Finney's ministry was his intercessor by the name of Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash would go into a town and into a city weeks before Charles Finney would go through and preach the gospel and would book out a hotel and spend a week, 10 days, two weeks, whatever he could. And for hours in the day would seek God and would pray so that by the time that his, his uh counterpart, the evangelist Charles Finney would come through, there'd be such an open heaven in that town that no wonder whole factories are coming to encounter God in such a powerful way. You know, the history books record that the number one prerequisite for revival is faith-filled prayer. If we don't pray, God won't move. Not because He can't, but because He limits His intervention and he's chosen to limit his intervention to our intercession. In 2 Chronicles 7:14, it says, If my people, everybody say my, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Notice the healing of the land is not dependent on sinners repenting. It's on saints praying. It's if my people, God said, would humble themselves. And not just any prayer will do, but the seeking of God's face. There is a difference between seeking God's hand and seeking God's face. We can seek God's hand for handouts. And that's okay. That's good. How many of us know the Lord's Prayer says to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Often preachers can beat up on, you know, believers who are contending and praying for practical provision as if it's something that's insignificant. Um, It isn't insignificant. Uh, Jesus invites us to petition, ask and you shall receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. There is a place where we need to pray for God's hand to provide and supply for us. But there is a fundamental difference between coming to God for Him to meet a practical need, and that's good, but then coming to God simply because you want to be intimate with Him. Simply because you love His presence. Simply because you want to fall more in love with His presence in your life. And I really believe that through the prophet Zechariah in this moment in the life of our church and in your life, God is calling us to pray for more revival in the middle of a revival. 
He's actually inviting us to ask for more rain in the season of the latter rain. We are in the season of the latter rain on the earth. We're in the season of the spring rain of revival. Revival is not just something that's happening in our church. It's breaking out all across the earth. And rain or water in the Bible is symbolic of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. So whenever you, you know, read about living water, rivers of living water, rain, water, it speaks of cleansing, it speaks of refreshing, but it also is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I remember years ago when I was itinerant preaching at Harvest Church in Horsham. They had a second location in a place called Nil. The reason it was called Nil is because Nil, nothing, nada was happening there, right? And they were in, and the people were beautiful there, but it was nil. And so the, the, the people there were having a, a, a significant drought. And many farmers were in this church, and, and the ties of this location in nil really wasn't coming in. And, and because the farmers obviously were received income seasonally, and they'd been in drought for a long time. And, and so I didn't know this per se, when I got to the location, it was about 45 minute drive from Horsham and I'm there in the service and the Lord says, I, I want you to prophesy over them that the spring rains are coming. And this would have been in about April or May. How many of us know the spring rains are already here in Melbourne? The spring rains are coming. And I'm like, wow, that, that's a significant word. And I just leaned across to the pastor and I said, hey, has there been an issue with rain in these rains? He said, we've had a huge drought for for uh, the last couple of years and it's really impacting and affecting the farmers. And so we got up and we prophesied the word of the Lord. The Lord says spring rains are coming and people sort of, there wasn't a lot of excitement in the room. People looked around like he's touched, isn't he? He's excited, isn't he? And there wasn't a lot of faith. There wasn't a lot of expectation. Anyway, 12 months went by. I went back to the same church. We drove out 45 minutes to nil and uh, now the church is packed, Right? And I'm like, what has happened here? Revival's broken out. The pastor said, yeah, uh, all the farmers heard your word and spring came and for four weeks it rained nonstop. The spring rains came. Now, these farmers have brought all their buddies and now they're coming back for the next word of the Lord for the next season. And I'm praying, no pressure. And I'm praying and the Lord's like, prophesy it again. And, and so I prophesy. And 12 months later, lo and behold, it happened again. I wanna say to somebody today, there's always more in God. Just when you think that you've been there, bought the T-shirt, been to the conference, you've seen it all, there's always more in God. Pastor Stacy shared it during the prayer time. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more, exceeding and abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works within you. What does the scripture say? Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. We don't just serve a God of near enough. We serve a God of more than enough. There's always more in God. What are you crying out to God for right now in your life? What are you believing more for in your life? You know, the root word for the phrase exceeding and abundant is the word hooper. It means beyond all scope or comprehension. Yeah. 
So no matter what you ask God for, no matter what you can imagine, God can exceed it beyond all scope or comprehension. What he's looking for are people that in the middle of the downpour, in the middle of the revival, will ask for more rain. Ask for rain in the season of latter rain. All throughout the Bible, we see evidence of this. King Solomon asked God for wisdom to govern God's people. And in 1 Kings 3.13, God said to him, I will give you also what you have not asked for because I'm the God of more than enough, exceeding and abundant. I'm gonna give you more than what you've asked for. I'm gonna give you riches and honour and life. In other words, God's saying you can have more if you want it. So why don't we practice that in our prayer lives? Why don't we practice it tonight as we come into agreement with Isaiah 64.1? Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry for a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm hungry to see more young people come to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. I'm hungry for an outpouring in our high schools, in our primary schools, in our universities. I'm hungry for our Premier to get saved in Jesus' Name. I'm hungry for the Labour Party and the Liberal Party to have a parliamentary revival, if you know what I'm saying. I'm hungry to see this church see thousands of signs and wonders and miracles. I'm hungry to see someone who's dead come back to life. I'm hungry to see more churches planted. I'm hungry to see His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it comes back to, are you willing to ask for more? Ask for rain in the season of latter rain. You see, God brings the lightning of revival, but your prayers are the lightning rods. God needs a lightning rod. You can't bring thunder. You can't bring lightning, but you can bring the lightning rod. In verse one, it says, the Lord will make flashing clouds. He's the one who opens the heavens and brings in the natural thunder and lightning But we've got to be those who've got our lightning rod up to the things of the Spirit to actually become that conduit that God will work through. I remember years ago running along Mullumullum Creek in the middle of a thunderstorm. Stupid thing to do, like playing golf in the middle of a thunderstorm with a lightning rod in your hand, don't do it. Someone's like, oh, is that why it happened? And, 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 and I remember running along and literally about 50 metres away along the creek, this lightning struck this tree. It split in half. And although I was 50 metres away, I could feel the force, the impact of the lightning strike almost 50 metres away And Henry Snow, right there, God's got your attention. I'm repenting of sins I haven't even committed yet because that's really prophetic ministry, right? I'm repenting of everything. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I just wanted to crawl into the fetal position, suck my thumb and cry for mummy. I was like, God, you are who you really say you are. Well, let me tell you something. The lightning strike, the first lightning strike of revival in the New Testament was Pentecost. But Pentecost was a partnership between God's sovereignty and the lightning rod of the upper room. We look at Pentecost and we think to ourselves, man, you know, oh, that's amazing. But we forget that that the disciples simply obeyed Jesus' command. 
Wait in Jerusalem until you've received power from on high. Someone had to make a decision to take Jesus' words seriously. Someone decided it's not enough just to get on with normal life, but we are actually gonna interrupt our routine. We're gonna challenge the status quo and we're gonna go into an upper room and we're gonna repent and we're gonna fast and we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe. We don't, they didn't even know what that was about to happen. They didn't know tongues of fire was about to come. They didn't know that they were gonna be all filled with the Holy Spirit to the point that they were gonna be mocked for drunkenness. They didn't know that 3,000 were gonna be added to their number in one moment. They didn't know. All they knew was we have got to partner with the promise of the Father. There are many promises of God. They are yes and amen. But which one of them are you partnering with? Which one of them are you coming into agreement with? Which one are you executing in your life, going after, contending for? Because yes, all the promises of God are yes and amen, but they need a lightning rod. They need someone who is going to actually align in faith. Too often we blame lack in our lives on God's sovereignty. And we excuse ourselves from the responsibility that we have to actually align with and partner with the Word of the Lord in our life. I say to people, you know, they say, hey, I received a word years ago, hasn't come to pass yet, and maybe it wasn't really God, and that may be, but often I say, well, what have you done about that Word? How have you aligned with it? Because in the new covenant, prophecy is not an automatic outcome. It's conditional on your faith-filled response. It actually requires you to be obedient. Yes, it's the will of the Lord. But if you've got a word about a business or you've got a word about something to do with ministry or you've got a word about a relationship and yet you're not actually on the track of that, aligning with that, that word may, you know, come to pass, but more often than not requires you to come into direct partnership with it. A lot of people are hoping, wishing that something happens, but there comes a point where you've got to do something. Mark chapter 9, a father brought his tormented boy to the disciples for healing. They couldn't minister freedom to the boy. And then Jesus comes from, down from Mount Transfiguration, settles the dispute, says, bring the boy to me, ministers healing to the boy. And the disciples back in the green room after the conference that failed in signs and wonders were like, hey, why couldn't we? Where was the lack? Why the lack? Why couldn't we minister freedom to the boy? This kind can only come out through the lightning rod of prayer and some uh, translations say prayer and fasting. Now, if there ever is any lack of answer to prayer in our lives and we're praying in alignment with the revelation of Scripture, we're praying in alignment with the prophetic word, we're praying in alignment with the promises of God, the lack is never on God's end. Why? Because God uh, is perfect. He's exceedingly good. He can do exceeding and abundant above all that we could ever ask or think. The lack is always on our end. How many of us know you can pray but not expect results? This is why I think it's so important what happened at the start of this message about five minutes of pure prayer. Sometimes I think if I just have hours and hours and hours. How many of us know you can do hours but be distracted for those hours? How many of us have ever read a chapter or 10 chapters and it's like you've been so distracted thinking about everything else, you may as well go back to the start and start again. 
Or is that the only unspiritual one in the room? You've actually got, we live in such a distracted world and our phones don't help and, and Netflix doesn't help and life in general doesn't help. You've actually got to make a conscious decision that you're going to focus your mind, your heart, you're going to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength and mind. And even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, God is not bound by time and space. What He responds to is the pure heart of faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The Pharisees would spend hours memorising the Torah. They knew the Word. But when the Son of God, the Word of God, the Word of life, the Word that became flesh and dwelt amongst them, walked by in 10 seconds, they missed Him because of distracted devotion. I didn't even plan to say all of this, but this is for somebody in this room. Distracted devotion. You're devoted, but are you distracted in it? You're praying, but are you distracted in it? You're reading and studying, but are you distracted in it? There's something about the purity and maybe the thing that you need to interrupt is maybe not going for longer and more hours, but focusing your heart, soul and mind on loving God with everything within you for 20 minutes. Not burning yourself out, trying to make something happen in your own religious works. And I'm not, if you can go for hours, do it. And the, the more time you spend with the way, truth and life, the better off you'll be. But some of you are beating yourself up because you can't sort of, you get distracted and you can't make it, you're not getting any results. What about, Lord, just help me for the next five minutes, all that I am, all of my heart, God, I just focus on you. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there is a time and a season for every matter under heaven. Isaiah 60 verse 22 says, I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. If there's anything I've learned is that revival is like a tornado. You don't know where it starts. You don't know where it's going. But what prayer is, prayer is like the sail that we put up to catch the wind of the Spirit. We must pray until revival breaks through. We must pray until the heavens open. It's better taking five, ten times a day to pray for five minutes of pure prayer than to spend three hours of distracted prayer. We just pray and we go, go to work and run the public transport, get a coffee and then we pray again. Hasn't happened yet, okay, we're in the morning tea break, we pray again. Still waiting for that breakthrough, okay, at lunch, I'm gonna pray again. Yeah. Afternoon tea break and, and as I'm walking around the corridors of work, I'm, I'm speaking in tongues under my breath, I'm praying again. Yeah. Where do we get this idea from that you pray once and if it doesn't work, you quit praying? This instant gratification culture. It says, if it doesn't make me feel good, if I don't see it right now, it doesn't work. That's not how the kingdom works. That's not how relationship with Jesus works. You don't cast your bread on the water one time and then if it doesn't return to you, 
You just quit. No, you keep casting your bread upon the water. You keep sowing the seed. If a farmer just sowed once and little patch and, well, why isn't there a great harvest? No, you've got to plough the ground. You've got to put seed. You've got to sow seed. You've got to water that seed. You've got to take care of it. Are you sowing? Are you praying in a way, focusing, taking care of the prayers that you're praying, that you are contending in the Spirit? I tell you, you've got to get a relentless spirit. You've got to get a resilient spirit. If there's something that you are believing for, if there's something you're contending for, don't just pray one time, believe one time and stop, but believe again and believe again and believe again and pray again. The moral of faith is perseverance. Whether it's small faith, whether it's medium faith, whether it's great faith, it's persistent faith. Every person who came with some measure of faith, even a mustard seed, got their breakthrough, got their answer, but they required some perseverance. We've got to set our sail to the wind of the Spirit in this season. We are just about three months out, actually two months out, two months out from Revival Conference. This time last year, we were on this runway, this tarmac of glory as we headed towards Revival Conference. There was expectation. There was all sorts of intercession and focus. We're coming into May where we're going to be having our consecration season of prayer and fasting. There's going to be this this momentum, this groundswell of prayer. You know what? I'm believing that you're not going to get your breakthrough at Revival Conference. You're going to get your breakthrough in the lead up to Revival Conference. Revival Conference is just going to be the, the, the cream on top. If, if God did what He did last year, coming out of Revival Conference, and He goes from glory to glory and from strength to strength, what is God up to this year? What does God want to do in your life this year? Are you believing for more? Ask, are you asking for more rain in the season of rain? The Bible says in verse 1, God will give them showers. Of rain. He will. Not he might. Not hope to. He will if you ask for it. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. What does James say? You have not because you ask not. We've got to worry less and we've got to believe and pray more. You know, C.L. Greenwood held prayer meetings for nine years before the Sunshine Revival broke out. Could you keep turning up to a prayer meeting for nine years, believing one day the Lord's promised? We wouldn't be here if a man of faith hadn't prayed for nine years. Omar Cabrera, the great Argentinian evangelist, he would book himself into a hotel room And he would pray until he sensed breakthrough before he ever scheduled a revival meeting. Sometimes up to 30 days. And he would just book himself in and he would pray and he would pray and then he would begin to sense something has broken through. We often don't pray until breakthrough because we haven't learned how to recognise how God's presence works. So it isn't just about blindly praying and persevering. It's about being equipped and discipled, growing in maturity. How does the presence of God work? And here are some keys. If you're writing notes, 
write this down. If not, take a mental note. These are some of the keys that helps you to learn and discern how the presence of God works. You need to engage in Q&A with the Holy Spirit. Ask questions. When you don't know answers, ask questions. And if you don't get an answer to that question, ask a better question. How many of you know when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't stop and look at the shadow of death, you keep walking, right? When you're going through something, silly question, immature question, limited question is, why is this happening to me? And so God rarely answers that. Better question, what can I learn from what it is that I'm going through? So when you're on a journey where you're praying for and contending for a breakthrough, you say, why haven't we broken through yet? Sometimes God might answer that. The disciples ask, why couldn't we cast a demon out of the boy? He said, because this kind, there's some problems that will only be overcome by the nuclear bomb of prayer and fasting. But it could be that he might not answer that question, so you need to ask a different question. I've learned to ask questions when I'm facing a wall that seems insurmountable and I'm asking questions that are not being answered, I change the question. You know, when you're interviewing people, they talk about, you know, uh, asking leading questions or asking questions that only take people to one word answers like yes and no. But what about asking a question, interviewing the Holy Spirit that's gonna open up a dialogue with heaven? Another way to actually recognise how God's presence works is through the illumination of Scripture. You know, the other day I was reading Scriptures and I read that chapter and, you know, it was helpful to read, but really there was no fireworks, nothing really... uh, stuck out to me and then I read the next one and nothing's there and then I read the next one and boom, all of a sudden I'm like, wow. And God begins to speak, the light bulb comes on. Sometimes as you're praying and believing for something and just simply showing up to the Word of God each day and you read five chapters, three chapters, 10 chapters, but then all of a sudden you read one more verse and boom, the illumination of Scripture gives you the answer that you're looking for because all you need is one word from heaven, one word from heaven to get breakthrough. And the presence of God doesn't just work through your prayer life. He works through the illumination of Scripture, revelation. And you've just got to keep showing up and you're going to keep posturing. It's like, you know, you don't just... Stop eating because one meal didn't taste great or didn't satisfy you or make you healthy. Which meal have you eaten made you ultimately healthy? Well, you don't know. You just keep showing up to mealtime. Just keep showing up to the gym. Just keep showing up to the, to the walk with the dog or the, the, the run or whatever it is that you do. You just keep showing up and then one day, boom, you have a breakthrough. We ask questions, we read Scripture and the Holy Spirit illuminates the text. We also know how God's presence works through the spoken word. It's like there's a moment in preaching where it's just like it punches through something and there's an anointing, a breakthrough on that word and all of a sudden it's like the light bulb comes on and then people come to me afterwards and says, I loved it when you said that and I'm thinking I never said that. I know, I was there for it. I never said that. But the Holy Spirit did. 
because we spoke something, we declared something, we preached something, but then God took that word and He began to use it to form something and speak something into someone's heart. And all of a sudden, I've got the word, breakthrough is here. Prophecy can be a breakthrough moment for people. I was praying for someone today, the worship leader at East, they had a difficult week and, and before he said that in worship, God spoke to me this word of restoration over his life and, and I forgot that years ago, nearly 20 years ago, he was a, a young worship leader in my youth ministry and here he is now at our church and he's loving what God is doing and the Lord says, speak over him, restoration and we begin to speak and all of a sudden what happens is breakthrough, he begins to believe again, he's had a tough week but now he begins, there's there's light, light pierces the darkness. There's light at the end of the tunnel. The spoken word. And you can practice this on yourself. You know, I, I've, we're about, some of us as staff are about to step into a significant week in our national conference and some of us have got big responsibilities this week and I was starting to feel the weight of all that and, you know, and the nattering of the enemy and the lies. And, 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 and so I, I'm trying to, prepare and write, you got writer's block and there's no illumination. So, okay, I jump on the bike, go for a ride. And as I'm riding up Mount Painful, Mount Dandenong, all of a sudden, I had the breakthrough. And all of a sudden, I started to get that crazy eye of the tiger. And I'm like, I'm not taking this any longer. I'm not the victim here. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me and has called me according to it. And all of a sudden, I started, and I'm huffing and puffing. It was so, I am more than a conqueror. Yes, I am. But I'm declaring and what happens? The atmosphere changes. The fog over my mind and spirit lifts. And I'm like, I'm not taking this any longer. I don't have to perform for anyone. I don't have to uh, acquiesce to anyone's ideas of how this should look. I'm just gonna get up there and let it rip. I'm just gonna get up there and absolutely open up double barrels. And, and what else can I do? I'm leaving the next day. So sometimes... All you need to break through is the spoken word. And you, some, some of you need to stop replaying the lies of the enemy. Prophesy over yourself. If you can't prophesy over yourself, how can you prophesy over anybody else? Practice on yourself. If you get it wrong, no one knows except you. So you start to prophesy and you start to declare. How, how do you recognise the presence of God? Worship. You get into His presence in pure-hearted worship and you begin to sense, oh God, you're wonderful. And you start not feeling much. Ever come to church and you've distracted, tired, maybe had a, a, a conflict or something going on in your world and, and you distract, come into the presence of God and it starts, it's almost like, you feel like you're faking it a bit. You put your hands out and, and, and not, not anyone here, just the church down the road. But you feel like you're faking a little bit and, and it's like, and you mean it, but, but it's like you don't, you're not there yet. But all of a sudden, the presence of God takes over. I used to tell our worship team, this is terrible advice. I wouldn't give it. I used to say, listen, fake it till you make it. Why? Because some of them, when you get there in the morning, you're tired, you've had a big weekend, all that, and, and it's like you, their heart wants to, but how many know the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak? Yeah. Yeah. That's a better way of saying it, cliches. It's tight, but it's right. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak sometimes. Okay, so I'm going to trust God and I'm going to trust the process. Yeah. 
We have got to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Listen, university students, when you're in a university lecturer and they're beaten up on faith and they're beaten up on Christians and, and they're espousing evolution theory and, and transgender and, and all the alphabet and everything's going on and, and you feel overwhelmed and victim mentality and oh no, mummy, and you're all there. No, no, you've got to start to speak to your spirit. You've got to start to be conscious of the presence of God. You've got to start to believe in something that's higher and that's greater. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall remain forever. There's God to be something in you that shifts. You've got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. When that promotion you studied for, believing for, work for doesn't happen, you don't, okay, you may acknowledge your disappointment, acknowledge maybe your anger, but don't let it sit there. Encourage yourself in the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart, not because he was just in pursuit, but he learned to find his strength in the presence of the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. You see, what time in the secret place with God sensitizes in you is to the presence of the Holy Spirit that when you come into the public space, you're more confident in how God moves, how God works. There are four words to growing in knowledge of how to move in the presence of God. Day in, day out. Day in, day out. You just think about it this way. You know, for years ago, I was a member of a golf club. I'd turn up, play golf. And initially, you know, maybe play once a week and, and you know, you sort of have mixed results and then you get more passionate, more committed and you turn up a few times a week, you get better. But if all you ever did is turn up to the golf course once a week expecting, you know, to get a pro card one day and get on the tour, you... You're dreaming, right? Unless you are supremely talented and we all bow at your feet and it's like, wow, like Dave Hickey. But for the rest of us mere mortals, uh, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna fly. So why is it that people are like, they come to church once a week or once a month or once a year and it's like, where is God? Are you serious? God's going, where are you? He's been knocking on your door, man, baby, for years. And now you're in a bind and like, where is God? No, you, you day in, day out. How do you learn a skill? Day in, day out. Everything, in, people talk about, you know, the doors and opportunities and things that come my way. And I'm like, well, where were you 25 years ago? when no one else was looking and no one was interested and people would put me down for my youthful enthusiasm. I just made a decision. Day in, day out. One day it's gonna come in. One day it's gonna, and I tell you, right now I'm sowing for 10 years time. I made massive decisions this year because I'm sowing for 2024. You gotta play the long game. Day in, day out. If it just compounds, revelation compounds, anointing compounds, favour compounds, blessing compounds. Day in, 
day out. Doesn't matter who notices, doesn't matter what's going on. God sees, God always sees. He always sees, Joseph, when you're there in the prison and you had the dream and I know it went pear-shaped and it went the other direction and I know you feel forgotten two more years. You gave the word to the baker, the candlestick maker and the other dude and, 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 and it hasn't happened and for two years they forgot about you. But something in Joseph maintained a pursuit of the Holy Spirit day in, day out till finally his door came and was it a door that opened to him, Pharaoh, the most powerful man of the greatest empire at that time said, I need you. He came in and he stood before the most powerful man on the planet and says, it's not in me, but there is a God in heaven who has the interpretation and he will give you what you need because for years, day in and day out, he walked with his father. He talked with his father and he was given a gift that he cultivated and crafted and he understood it to the point that he could stand before kings and gentiles and read their mail. If your prayer life doesn't move you, it won't move him. Revival isn't the byproduct of token prayer. Revival is weeping, gnashing of teeth, desperation, God. It's like you want, you want to see... This morning we prayed with a mum and dad praying for their daughter suffering from mental illness. They meant it. Yeah. Oh, Lord, please. No, no, that was like, God, if you don't come through, I don't know where this is going to go. Desperate prayer. Is this helping anyone today? But here's the deal. Prayers of faith must be followed by the action of faith. And this is where a lot of people, I've referred in some ways to this, but this is where a lot of people, where it breaks down. Some people are like, I can't get it. I'm with you. Pray in faith, contend, day in, day out. But it must be partnered with action of faith. So years ago, got prophecies and all that about preaching and traveling and the nations and fireballs going to cities and exploding in revival. But then, okay, I've received the word. Now I'm in my prayer closet. I'm praying, I'm journaling, I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm growing. But then, hey, what about if I prepare a message this week? I've got no invitation, but I'm gonna prepare a message this week and I'm gonna go to my mum and dad's church to the empty auditorium on a Friday morning and I'm gonna preach like the whole place is packed. For two years, every Friday. Okay, what's that? We're praying in faith, we're believing in faith, but that's action yeah. of faith. Yeah. Before any invitation, before anything, faith sees something that others can't see. Yeah. See, I believe what's happening right now in this room, there is an impartation of the gift of faith. If you're open to it, receive it, it'll change your life. It's funny, you know, when we started casting vision for 200 churches a few years ago, people didn't say it at the time, but I've had people come up and go, I thought you were smoking crack. <laughs> I thought you are crazy. But now they see what's happening, they're like, I can see it. Come on, come on. Jesus said to Thomas, you believe because you can see. Blessed are those who never see and yet still believe. Yeah. Yeah. 
My vision world is far bigger than my natural world. I live in the vision. And I'm pulling that thing or it's pulling me. I don't know which one or the other, but I'm pulling it into reality. And when it happens, we go, oh, it's amazing. No, no, it is amazing, but we believe the Word of the Lord and we acted in faith. We did something. We sowed something. We sent someone out. We started something. We, we're in San Francisco. It looks like a little infant seed right now. And there's all principalities and powers and all ugly little grotesque demons running around. And there's Don and Hannah there and there's light. And they just got that pick of light. And they're just picking at the darkness, picking at the dark. And when it breaks and revival, oh, isn't it amazing and overnight success? Where, why have you succeeded where others failed? Day in, day out, action of faith, action of faith, prayer of faith, believing faith. What's a revival lifestyle? You pray, you step out in faith, you give glory to God for the result and you return to the secret place of prayer. You pray, you step out in faith, you give glory to God for the result and you return to the secret place. Faith, James says, 2.17, apart from works is dead. That's astounding. He says, someone has faith and no works, I'll show you my faith by my works. So yes, we're not saved by our works, but once you get saved by faith through grace in Jesus Christ, He invites you to do something with it. Do something. I love the football coach back in the day, do something. Don't just think, do something. Dr. Yongi Cho, he was the pastor of the world's largest church. Can you imagine being a, a, part of a church, a million members? Everyone knows there's a few communion cups. <laughs> I hope they had disposable ones, if you know what I mean. Like. And someone asked him one day, what's the secret? He said, oh, it's simple, really in his Korean accent. It's simple, really. (laughs) I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I pray and I obey. We want to know the formula. It's simple yet profound. You know what? Too many of us are like Naaman the general who refused to dip in the Jordan River seven times to be healed of leprosy because... The Jordan River's ordinary. It's like the Yarra. <laughs> I'm not going in there. The waters where I'm from, they are, they're amazing, they're clean. And the little servant girl, who, Hebrew servant girl says, yeah, but like, come on, man. Like, seriously, what's it gonna hurt if you just get over your pride? Get over it. It has to be extraordinary. And just dip in the Jordan River. Seven times. Prayers for breakthrough require action consistent with the nature of the prayers that we're praying. So here's the thing. It's, it's, It's crazy. I don't understand it on one level and I understand on another level. But some people need healing in their body and will have the attitude like, well, God can heal me wherever I am. So I don't need to come down the front, receive prayer. 
But praying and believing for breakthrough requires acts that are consistent with what you are praying for. Yes, God can heal you, whatever, but wise men still travel to go and encounter Jesus. What's it gonna hurt for you to go and come and step out and just say, God, I'm so desperate. Yeah, well, I don't like what they're wearing. Who gives a flying rip? Who cares? Well, they don't look really anointed. Are you serious? Where's Pastor Corey? Let's find Pastor Corey. Oh, he's not here today. Okay, you'll do. No, no. But seriously, we can get caught up in the extraordinary. And I'm not that extraordinary anyway, but, but what if you just decided, you know what, I need healing. I'm gonna go anyway. I'm going to the healing summit. I'm going to the healing room. I'm going to the healing prayer line. I'm going, where, where if that says healing, I'm going there. I'm going. I, I, I just, it's like, if you really needed a breakthrough, what would you be willing to do? You get desperate. People are praying, God, bring breakthrough in my business, but they won't read a book to help their business. They won't get better personal, interpersonal skills. So God works in the supernatural, but he also works in the natural. Oh, God, I want you to bring breakthrough to my finances. And yet then when God asks you to tithe, nah, not doing that. No, you've got to do acts that are consistent with what it is that you're believing for. Or he asks you to sow a sacrificial seed. Nah, can't. Well, maybe you need to learn to sow in your lack. Because if you don't sow in your lack, you'll never sow in your breakthrough. You know, well, we're believing for mass salvations in our church, but no one's ever mobilised to go out and share their faith. You're starting to get the point. Oh Lord, I want that special someone to come into my life. But you, you never walk over to someone and just start just a normal conversation. <laughs> how, just, just, how important it is just to have a normal conversation with someone. If you're going to end up on your wedding day, start with a normal conversation. You don't go from zero to a hundred like overnight. You start with a normal Hi, how are you? What's your name? This is my name. That's a good place to begin. I'm trying to help somebody here. I'll charge you commission when you're in your winning day. You've got to make room for the miraculous. It's not always, oh, I just saw them across a crowded room and we looked at each other, locked eyes, and the rest is history. No, you make room for the miraculous. You actually steward yourself and you lead yourself and you look after yourself and you're following Jesus. And then one day as you begin normal conversations, one thing leads to another. And before you know it, hey, we're now aligned for for destiny, for calling, for purpose. Think about Israel marching around Jericho seven days. The Lord gave them the weirdest strategy. Just march around day after day after day. And on the last day, March around and then shout at the walls. Blow your trumpets and just watch what happens. Brilliant strategy, God. Wonderful. Yeah, as if that's going to happen. They march around, they shout, they blow the trumpets, walls fall flat. Okay, what are we going to do now? Um, 
go in and possess it. So even though the walls fell flat, the job wasn't done. They had to go in to possess Jericho. Prayers of faith remove the walls. They remove the obstacles, but actions of faith possess the promises. You gotta possess the promises. Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Faith in action is spiritual violence. It's a weapon that begins to usher in the kingdom of heaven in situations. I'm so encouraged by the prophet Zechariah because he basically says there is enough revival to go around for everyone. He says, God will make showers of rain, but just so you know, there's gonna be grass in the field for everyone. I'm telling you, the Bible is good news. Too often we exclude ourselves out of God pouring out revival on us because we compare ourselves to others, say, oh, they're so favoured, they've got this, they're talented, this, oh, God could never do that. And we don't realise there's enough rain for everyone. There's enough rain for your backyard. You know what this does? It stops us from becoming territorial. It stops us from thinking that only we are entitled at Numa because we've had revival outpouring the last eight months. No one else is allowed to be in revival, but we are. (laughs) He said, he said there's grass in the field for everyone. We need every backyard. We need every church. We need every ministry. We need every believer right now at the front line on fire with the presence of the Holy Spirit with revival rain pouring out upon every single part of the body of Christ. No one needs to be insecure. No one needs to be jealous or territorial because there's enough rain for everyone. God is no respecter of persons. He's a respecter and a responder to the humble cry of faith. And here's the deal, great moves of God Yes, they may start with the stewardship of one person, but what happens is they spread like wildfire. As that person stewards the move of God, they spread like wildfire. And one by one by one, revival begins to break out on everyone's backyard. You know, Evan Roberts, the great Welsh revivalist, he heard a a prominent leader in the Church of Wales one day pray this simple prayer, God bend me. And it got into Evan Roberts' spirit. And Evan Roberts took the prayer of Seth Joshua, an unknown, but at the time, prominent leader, but the history books have not recorded this guy. And yet Evan Roberts, everyone here knows the prayer of Evan Roberts, bend me. But he just borrowed it from somebody else. He took that prayer that he heard and he said, I'm gonna bring the purity of my heart to that. And I'm gonna say, God, bend me until I become more like you, until there is breakthrough in our nation. Here's what God is saying to us. You can have more if you want it, but are you willing to cry out, bend me God, until you get it? Thank you for listening to Numa Church with Corey Turner. Please visit our website, numa.church, and follow us on our social media platforms.